Welcome to the Newtown Business Association's Business School Podcast. Our goal is to help you make the most of your business by providing you with information and advice from fellow NBA members. I'm your host, Rodney Warner. Thank you for joining us on the Newtown Business Association Business School Podcast. We're going to be talking about uh, selling your business from the accounting standpoint with Bob Small, who's the principal of Robert Small and Associates, a uh, CPA firm. Uh, His office is in Newtown Borough. We've sent emails back and forth, and I really appreciate your time, Bob, and your expertise. So the discussion is selling your business. So from a long-term perspective, I own a business, and maybe sales are on the, you know, long on the horizon. I'm not planning anytime soon. As far as accounting is concerned, what should I be doing to make the eventual sale easier? You need to focus on the business. You want to focus your attention on making it profitable, making it prosperous. I mean, you need to do that first. And you want to surround yourself with a group of professionals. At some point in time, you're going to need an attorney. You're going to need your tax returns done. Surround yourself with, call it a bank, an insurance agency. These are the people that have are going to be able to guide you and give you some informal advice. Okay, when you're running and owning your own business, you're not in a large corporation where if you need advice, you walk down the hall and you just don't have it. So you have to build your own outside advisors for help. Go from there. I think the phrase that I've heard many times is, is building a team. You're building a team of, of specialists. They're not employees. You're, you're hiring from the outside, but they're critical to operating your business. I mean, if you're a business where your revenue is under $10 million a year, you can't afford to have in-house counsel. You can't afford a full-time CFO. You can't, you can't. And you try to look for these professionals that know about your industry. And there are certain industries, somebody shows up, said, I can't help you. Go find a CPA that has five of those type of clients. It's tough. In the early days, 20 years ago, when I started my firm, it was tough to walk away from a business opportunity. But I stuck to my guns. I only took businesses where I knew that industry. I didn't want to go to school on a client and say, oops, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and they're out there. Take your time. The time comes. I've decided it's time to sell my business. Maybe this has been, you know, long planned. Maybe there's a health emergency, a family emergency, and I've essentially, I have to sell my business. As far as accounting is concerned, when you're gearing up for that sale, what needs to be done? You need good documentation. You need good information. So when it comes down to general bookkeeping, set up a ledger, use QuickBooks, get yourself to the point where you are managing the accounting, the bookkeeping, the financial aspects of your business. Don't wing it. Day one, set up QuickBooks. Okay. It's not expensive. And QuickBooks is good. They own 99% of the market. So It is good. From day one, the first year, make sure your QuickBooks financial state match 
your tax returns. A buyer is going to want to see the details, your revenue by customer, you know, your expenses, the structure, the profit margin. Those details are in QuickBooks. It creates that for you. And you're going to want that information used to prepare your tax returns. A prospective buyer, when he sees that the internal financial statements match the tax returns, that matching, that reconciliation increases the credibility of the financial information tenfold. And don't get cute with things from day one. One of the things that turns a buyer off is that, oh, um, the tax return, you know, there's ad backs because I bought a pool for my sure house and I ran it through the business. So that's an ad back. Buyers and the buyer's financial advisors hate clawbacks. Oh, yes, the tax return says I lost money. My QuickBooks says I lost money. But really, here's the true thing. And you got to add all this stuff back in. That was I was just managing my tax results. And that turns buyers completely off. And it certainly turns me off. I mean, I find myself whispering to respect the buyer. It's time to find something clean. So there are other types of, of information. Let's say when, when you're counseling a buyer, what's your laundry list of information that you want to see? Well, you're looking for consistent information where the QuickBooks matches the tax returns. Call it your rent expense matches your lease. The equipment purchases, oh, I just spent $75,000 on X, you know, a, a milling machine or whatever. As the buyer's financial advisor, you're looking at third-party documents to support numbers. I want to see the revenue by your client, and you're looking for diversification. If a business has one client represents 90% of its business, its revenue stream, the value of that business is diminished. You lose that one customer, there is no business. I've got two clients that are in similar, they're both in the pharma industry. And these are called software service providers, and they're both under $10 million revenue stream. One of them has a strong diversified revenue client base. The other one, two clients represent 90% of its business. Which one is worth more money to a prospective buyer? That's third party you know, verification. Here's my revenue buy. And QuickBooks will do that for you. You can track your revenue by client, customer, important. So when you're selling your company, you want to come up with a good price. You want to come up with a fair price. Yes. You, you want to come up with, it's just like selling anything else. If it's too high, nobody's going to buy it, but you want a good return on your investment. How yes. should a, well, a business properly evaluate itself when it comes to time to sell it? Fortunately, things are different than they were 30 years ago. Today, you can literally, the buyer's going to do this, the seller's going to do this. There are brokers that literally list businesses for sale. There's biz.com and there's a number of them. And there's quite a few of them. And right now we're in Pennsylvania, Eastern Pennsylvania. So to find a similar business that might be in North Jersey, Delaware, Virginia, Pittsburgh area, you will be able to find multiple businesses that are in your industry, a similar revenue size, and you can find out the pricing there. So it's gather public information readily available. 
And you can be doing this. I don't think I'm going to sell my business for 10 years. Every once in a while, you happen to be bored or you're click, click, clicking away. You're, you know, whatever. And is periodically go in and see what's there. Print it out. Have a file. When you need information, you might not have time to go get it. So whether you just started your business or you're not thinking about selling for another five or whatever years, every once in a while, take the pulse, see what's out there and throw it into a file. Become a knowledgeable seller, become a knowledgeable buyer. You have to assume as a seller that the buyer is going to have good advice or be knowledgeable. Chances are this buyer, you're not the first business that he's looked at to acquire. I have one client, it's a longtime client. He makes a practice of buying a business, fixing it in five years or so, and selling it. And sometimes he has multiple ones going on at the same time. He looks for distressed businesses. That's what he wants. And he is extremely knowledgeable. I mean, I've walked through five transactions with him, buys it, fixes it, sells it, and I'm his CPA. I've also had clients where I've looked at a prospective opportunity and said, walk away, walk away. You have to understand that, you know, some buyers are just curious. If you're selling a business, how do you screen people who are potential buyers? I mean, obviously, it's not enough that I walk into your business and say, okay, I want to buy it. Let's let's shake hands. You know, what should a seller look for before you really getting into serious negotiations? If you have a broker, they will do it. But I'm going to answer your question. You need to qualify the buyer. You can ask them, what do you know about this industry? What have you ever been in this industry? Do you have experience in this industry? And as what capacity? I was a bookkeeper for a pharmaceutical software company. Well, that doesn't qualify you to run a business. The other is to have a conversation with them and to determine whether this person has the experience, the knowledge, the energy level to do the job, to run this business. The other is you need to determine. They have to provide... Do they have the financial capability, the financial resources to buy the business? And it's not, my business is valued at $3.5 million. How are you going to come up with this $3.5 million to buy my business? And that's a fair question. If you're buying a home, a real estate agent is going to ask for your financials or a pre-approval mortgage, those sorts of things. As I understand it, there are different ways to get paid for your business. It could be cash. Maybe they're taking a loan. I could get an ownership interest in whoever is buying my company. Maybe it's a bigger company and they're expanding. I guess I could do that. I could finance the sale with a promissory note. Do you see any pluses and minuses? I mean, obviously cash is king, but if, if cash well, isn't an option, then what's the best way to go? For a seller to take a, back a note for 100% of the purchase price, that doesn't excite me. <laughs> you need a buyer who has some serious skin in the game. And I'm talking, they've got to be able to come up with 60, 75% of the purchase price. We come to an agreement. 
I'm selling my business. He's got enough money. We're, we're signing on a dotted line. As far as an accounting perspective, what has to be done, let's say, to finish off the agreement and subsequent to the agreement? Is there anything as far as accounting is concerned that, that uh, needs to be done? Well, the buyer's people are going to want to do due diligence. If there are service agreements with clients, the buyer's going to want to review them. If there are an employee agreements, you have one, two, or three key employees, have those key employees signed non-compete agreements. I'm the buyer. I just bought this business and my three key employees just went out the door to start a competitive business because they did not have non-compete. Yuck. Prospective buyer needs to sign a non-disclosure. You're going to be sharing information with that person. They have to sign an NDA before you start sharing information. Doesn't go quick. I just helped the client while well, I'm cleaning it up, but they were in discussions with the seller for almost two years. That's like crazy long, but it was in the environmental industry. So there was a lot going on. Then you have to determine whether it's going to be an asset sale or an equity sale. That's important in certain industries. And they're, both of those agreements are very different. Working with clients over the years, what do you see as the major misconceptions as far as uh, selling a business is concerned? It is the timing. It never goes as quick as they think. It takes more effort than they think. The other is, geez, the prospective buyer wants to talk to my clients. I don't want him. To, at that point in time, your clients now know you're actively trying to sell the business. They're surprised at that, that the buyer wants to talk to the key employees. Their step as the prospective seller, before you share any of this information, you need to get a letter of intent from the buyer. So you've talked to them, the buyer and the seller, we've talked, we've talked, I've shared some macro level information, whatever. So now you want me to divulge, you need to sign an NDA and I need an executed signed letter of intent. It's not the definitive agreement, but in that letter of intent, it will say, I want to buy the business. Here's the my estimated value that I'm willing to pay to get the business. And the seller's accountant and attorney should be able to provide them with samples of a letter of intent. I, I've written, I don't know, maybe a hundred of them that I've written through the years. Back in the day before I started my own business, I went, I was with a company, we went public, I was the CFO. And there, all I did for three, four years was fly around the country, fly around the world and make acquisitions. We were a Northeast concentrated company and we became a international marketing company. So I've done it for a living. And I went from doing that and then 9-11 happened and my wife didn't want me flying around the world anymore. So I, um, that's when I started Small and Associates. Other than what we've discussed so far, what are some mistakes a seller needs to avoid? Selling to a buyer who does not have the wherewithal to run the business is rushing through the agreement. You need an attorney and accountant that have helped clients through this process before. You don't want to be the client, the seller, that your accountant and attorney are learning the steps. 
the buyer is going to want some type of agreement with you saying, if I need help, they're going to want that. We're going into a renegotiation of our service contract with client ABC. I want you as the the seller to, I can engage you at this hourly rate or this retainer rate to help me through these type of things. As the seller, I would be encouraged by that. The buyer is thinking down the road. How am I going to run this? Where am I going to be? And so that buyer is evaluating their shortcomings. How can I use this person? I'm curious if a seller can get 100% of the sale price, why should he or she care if the new owner runs the business into the ground? I mean, if I've got my money and I'm washing my hands of, of my beloved but former business, do I care? Here it is. Let's say you've been running that business for 10 years. And you have three or four key employees that have been with you for 10 years. So it's not a financial thing. I got my money. I don't give a crap. That's not the type of person that I'm impressed by. We've met those people because neither one of us are 29 anymore. I want a a buyer who has the wherewithal, the dedication to make the business prosperous, grow, whatever, because from an ethical standpoint, I've had longtime employees working for me. They deserve that. The other thing that we haven't talked about, in some cases, the most ideal buyer could be your key employees. That happens. And in that type of situation, those in in those type of transactions, the percent that the seller is willing to take back a note receivable increases. I've known those buyers for 10 years. It's not somebody relocating from California to Pennsylvania to run this business. Okay, Bob, thank you so much for your time. If a listener wants to get in touch with you, they have questions about buying or selling a business or need help with with accounting, how can they uh, reach out to you? Email is easy. It's bob, B-O-B, at smallcpa.com. I welcome any questions or if I can help uh, someone. Absolutely. Glad to do it. Greatly Uh, appreciate your time. And I also thank everybody listening to this uh, episode of the NBA's Business School podcast. Until next time, thank you very much. Welcome to the Newtown Business Association's Business School podcast. Our goal is to help you make the most of your business by providing you with information and advice from fellow NBA members. I'm your host, Rodney Warner.